Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Off the Hook with AJ, episode five. I got actor Elimu Nelson in the building. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for coming on. I, I'm really excited for this episode. Um, you know, I watched some of your mu- your movies. Okay. You know, right. One of them right. in particular, Love Don't Cost a Thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that one. Um, also, I was looking into your last projects, man. Um, let's get into it. So mm-hmm. you're on The Resident. Yep. You're on Tommy. Yep. So give us a little bit of info on both of those uh, projects right there. Well, Tommy was... Edie Falco had a uh, like a procedural that it only ran for like a year. I actually okay. thought I was really shocked when it got canceled, but because um, I thought I had like a chance of coming back to it. But I actually shot that in New York um, almost like like two years ago, and that was like I've done like a lot of like guest star spots. I've done like one recurring on like House of Lies back in the day. Okay. I had a, a heavy recurring role on a pilot called Suspicion on NBC that later called No Way Back, but then the pilot didn't get picked up. So there's like, um, that was one of the projects, Tommy, where it it felt like I was like a series regular, even though it was like a really big guest star. Um, And that was was a lot of fun. Listen, like I'm I'm from the East Coast. So- New Jersey, right? uh, I was born in Jersey. I grew up in Milton, Massachusetts, which is like six miles south of Boston. And then, I graduated from Syracuse and then I, I bounced around in, in the city for a while. I was in Manhattan. I was in uh, Bronx, like in Mount Vernon, if you take the two and the three all the way to the end. Okay. That part of Mount Vernon. And then, uh, I mean, pretty much like every, like every borough except for like Long Island. And then I've been out in LA uh, probably like close to like, about like since like 1997. Okay. So you've been out here for a while then. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Okay. Now, how was that? How was that transition from the East Coast to the West Coast, man? Was it different? Was it a cultural shock? I, I think that, that for, well, let me see here. Like the main thing was, was, was food, right? Because okay. when you're from the East Coast, like, like little things, like, like now, if I have hot wings, I want them with ranch. When I first got out here, it was just <laughs> blue cheese, right? Okay. Out here on, on the West Coast, right? there's a lot more Mexican people on the East coast, a lot more Puerto Rican people. Correct. So when there was like this influx of like Mexican food, I was like, all right, I guess I really didn't have like sushi back on the East coast. Sushi was a different thing out here. Like most of it was like food. And then there's like a very, like, if you're on the East coast, especially if you're in like New York or whatever, um, even like in Boston, there's like a, a, an energy of like, you, you, you step or you get stepped on sort of thing. And LA is like much more laid back. But part of that I think is because like if you're in New York, the energy literally pulsates up from the sidewalk because you're around people and you're walking around people all the time. And That's LA it's all trapped in cars, right? That's true. That's true. So so like stuff like that, like I remember when I when I first got out here, I was like, all right, like I, I got I gotta get like a part-time job. So like I'm used to like hitting the pavement. So I'm out there when I, I used to live in like West Hollywood, it was like I was 7 30, 8 a.m. I'm on the streets like like why are all these stores closed? Like, like what's going on here? Like, wow, why has nothing open up open in Um so that was kind of more of like the culture shock. But then as I got acclimated to out here, like the other thing too is like it's basically summer all year round, 
right? It's true. That's true. Born in Jersey, grew up in Boston, graduated from Syracuse, New York City. I've seen snow. I've seen thunderstorms. I've been in hurricanes. I've had brick, brick, brick cold. So out here, like the vitamin D, it like, it, like the first like two or three years out here, I used to tell people like, you should live in LA for at least two to three years of your life, especially if you're not in the industry. Cause it's, it's like one big vacation, right? Everybody's pretty, there's like nice cars. There's all this like fake stuff. It's like, it's fun to be a part of, right? right. <laughs> so for me to like, understand like, oh, this is where I live. This is like my hood and sort of understanding like the differences between like the cities and how the highways can work for you and all that other sort of stuff that, that, that took me like a while because like I'm used to like community, like right. LA pockets of it, I've experienced community. And then also the industry that I'm in to double back to like the resident, um, it hasn't always been that way. Okay. Um, so like, um, like the resident, the, the, the most recent thing that, that I've been on, I went and shot that, I shot that in, in Atlanta. And I was out there for about like, about like two and a half weeks. It's a really big guest spot. The way that they left it off, um, everybody thinks that it's gonna be like a recurring role. I hope, I hope that it is, you know, we'll see what Hopefully. happens. Hell yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was a, a really, really good, good, good opportunity. Um, but all that is to say, like in terms of like the, um, the difference, differences between like the East Coast and the West Coast, like I, I can pretty much get down anywhere sort of thing, right. but like I totally get why like I have friends that um, I went to school with at Syracuse that were from the West Coast. Okay. I get why they came back to the West Coast. I get it. Like, in, in my opinion, right, mm -hmm. from what I've experienced, like, if you grow up on the West Coast, right, you got a certain hustler's mentality to you. But it ain't the hustler's mentality of the East Coast, right? There is a difference. Like, it can be it could be like a little more like laid back. Yeah. People sort of like enjoy moments like a, a little differently out here, right? Whereas on the East Coast, it's just all the time. So, and especially when you don't have that vitamin D like you do like all year round on the West Coast. Right. If you come to the East Coast and, and like a lot of cats that come from the West Coast go right to New York, right? Right. Like that's like the biggest culture shock ever because it's going to get it's going to get cold people could be rude it's going to be fast it's like and it's not as um sort of like city friendly like LA is like in LA the gas might be expensive but you can get in your whip and you you understand right. why people have like nice cars out here cuz mm -hmm. you're always in traffic right, right. you kind of like taking your time you True. can be in LA you can go to the supermarket you can stock your house up with food right right New York is like, it's a culture where you're ordering out all the time. Like you need money for every single moment of being in New York City I, every single day, I, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's just different, it's just different. So it took me a while to kind of get used to all that. You know what, like for myself, I'm originally from, from Sacramento. Okay. North. So moving from Sacramento to, you know, Southern California, that in itself was a culture shock for me. And now mm. we're in the same state. It's just yeah. north and south. But the vibe is just so much different up north in the Bay Area than it is 
in LA, I consider I can the best way for me to actually compare the Bay Area would be like New York swag, like you know, like East Coast swag. It's kind it is kind of like that in a way. You know, it's cold over there, it's not as hot as LA. The yeah. hottest it'll get out there is maybe 85 to like 90 degrees. Yeah. Especially over here where I'm at in Lancaster, California. I'm in the desert right now. Oh yeah, I know you're at. I know you're at. Yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah. about I'm about like like 45 minutes from LA, right? Yeah. Um, right now I'm in my studio. It's a it's 93 degrees already right now, and it's barely 11 o'clock. 15. <laughs> I'm over here sweating like, dude. I I hate the heat. So when it when it comes to you know going back to uh the Bay Area and and LA, it was a culture shock, you know, and it and it's kind of funny how little cities little places have their just their different swag and you know east coast is the snow it's you know the just the the cold environment personally me i would rather live in that environment <laughs> i don't know that's just me yeah. personally i love the cold i'd rather be cold because you can get warm fast when you're hot right. it's really tough you gotta have a pool or you gotta have a really good ac yeah it's it's, <laughs> you know? it's interesting interesting like some, some, it, 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 it's interesting all those little things you know so getting back to the resident man um so when you got when you got that gig with the resident what was mm. going through your mind man give it give us the process on how you got that that, that okay work. so coming into um you know 2020 was crazy for everybody obviously uh-huh. with pandemic depending on how you voted presidentially you know right. <laughs> the whole situation right uh-huh. so what happened with sag was that because of COVID, the whole industry shut down, right? Okay. So how it works SAG after is like this. You have to make a certain amount of money to qualify for health insurance, right? Right. So if you don't have opportunities to audition to get jobs, then you're screwed, right? So what happened was half a year goes by, we're out of you know business for maybe like, like four to five to six months. So then when things got up and going again, there's this whole, it's just like a, an influx of people like trying to like get like these little jobs, right? Right. So last year I actually didn't qualify for the insurance because I had like a couple really close calls on like pretty big shows, um, but I basically didn't make any money acting last year because- right. I didn't have the opportunities that, that I usually have, right? And it's like, right, you know, right, like right. certain years you'll work a bunch, certain years you won't work a bunch. Right. Like, all right. One of the gigs towards the end of last year um, was uh, this uh, show called True Story, which is okay. uh, Kevin Hart's got a new show coming on um, Netflix. Okay. And so I was up for like uh, one of the series regular gigs, right? Okay. And I was like this close to getting it. And when I didn't get it, I had like a complete breakdown, right? And so I was kind of venting all this stuff out to one of my really, really close friends. And he kind of put me on to like some truth about myself, right? Okay. So when he did, like he was like, listen, this is not like an indictment of your acting ability or anything like that. But I've kind of heard this story before. And he kind of ran down some truth about myself. And I just sit there and I had to listen to it, right? Kind of like any other actor. And I was like, huh, okay. When I got all that venom out, it was kind of like I was like starting from anew with all this experience that I had. So then coming into the next year, 
what happened was early January, I had auditioned for uh, it's like this comedy on CBS. And then midnight that night, it was like January 6th. Or no, no, it wasn't the 6th because we know what happened on the 6th. It was like, uh, it was a little bit later than that. It was like 12th or 13th. Okay. And so I get an email from my manager at like, like midnight. And I'm like, this? can I curse on your thing? No, yeah, 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 you're good. Okay, all right. Good. <laughs> um, so I get this, this email and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here, right? And I look at my phone and I'm like, uh, and it's like, hey, um, do you know anything about this? And it's, and it's a message that says, um, we are pinning uh, Alimu Nelson for the ro- role of Detective Samuels um, from like this date to this date. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, it's midnight, my kid's sleeping. I'm like, I have no fucking idea what this is. But great, if it happens, awesome. If it doesn't, whatever. Right, okay. So then I get up the next day and I'm like, oh, this is Kevin Hart's show. So they have, I didn't get the, the one part, right? Oh, but they're gonna see me for something else. Like when you're pinned for something, it's basically like down to like you and one other person, or it might just be you, but they have to run it up the ladder to see if network, you know, uh, and studio agrees and all the rest of that stuff. Right. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like that happened pretty cool. So I'm like, all right, great. So you kind of have that like in your back pocket. Then I just finished auditioning for this comedy for CBS. The very next night, my manager hits me again at like midnight. And I'm like, what, like, what is it? Right. She's like, oh, you're pinned again for this other show. And I was like, oh shit. So like within two days, um, um, no, within like three or four days, I was pinned for like two shows. And I was like, oh, this is great. Didn't work at all last year. Maybe it's coming in this year, right? Right, right. Now you're gonna be overbooked. Right, so I'm like, this is this is, this is the dream. Right. So three days later, um, I get released from the pin for the comedy show. I'm like, all right, cool, like no problem. And then I get this slew of auditions. And this is literally kind of like, what it's really like to be an actor. I had, because now in this day and age, you're not going in and doing like pre-reads and seeing people and stuff. Mm. You are doing tapes. I happen to like doing tapes. Even before when it was like, oh, we don't know if we're seeing maybe put myself on tape. I love doing tapes. I'm, I'm very good at doing tapes. Okay. So I had in one weekend, I had like five auditions, like on like a, like a Monday. Right. And so like it was one of those things where I was like, all right, this is the moment and this is what's coming at me. Take full advantage of it. Don't cheat it. I'm at a good point in my craft. Like I'm going to nail these. So I sat over my boy's house that I I do the the taping with. And I was here for like three, three and a half, like four hours. Knocking them back, knocking them back, knocking them back. Like all in excellence. Right. Send these things off. You know, my my agents in the past have been like, listen, like you make really, really good tapes. It was like, it's, it's a, it's a matter of time sort of thing. Right. right. These are all like series regulars, heavy recurs, a lot of dialogue, a lot of pages. And, you know, in order to study and get it done and all the rest of the stuff, it's like, it, it takes a lot out of it. Right. I nail all these on like a Monday and then the audition for the resident comes in on that Monday night. It's due like on Wednesday. Okay. So I'm like, okay. I'm sitting out in my car before I go to my boy's house. And I'm sort of like 
looking at the material and getting myself like emotionally prepared, right? And I go in and I'm like, all right, so here we go. And he just kind of sits there and he's watching me. And I don't know if you've seen the episode or not, but like in like the last scene of the, of the show, like I'm like crying and stuff. Okay. So I started doing the audition and he's like, whoa. I'm like, okay, let me, let me do another one, right? And then I just completely lose it and that's that. And I say to him, I go, he goes, dude, like they, they have to give you this job. In my career, I have been the best actor numerous times. I've been told I've had the job, I, like more times than I can even mention, but I haven't gotten the gigs, right? And why do they do that? Because people in positions, like it's like, it's like this. If you and I are having a moment and you really, really believing what you're saying inside that moment, who's telling you that's wrong? That's true. Right. So like I, I, I've had it like, uh, so, all right. So with the pilot for NBC at the end of it, like do my thing. It's opposite Derek Luke. I'm like, Oh my God, it's, I shot it back in Boston. Um, I'm like, this is amazing. This is, this is like the dream come true. Right. At the end of the pilot director walks up to me, uh, at the hotel in Boston. He goes, Hey, listen, um, when they pick this show up, they're going to expand your role a lot. Like you really impressed all the brass at NBC. This dude had no reason to say it to me, right? Right. Like he directed the pilot, right? And he was even like, like, yeah, I'm not going to be here for like the series, but like, yeah. Plus you got all the people like, hey, like you ready to come to Boston? You ready to move back? And it's like, you kind of be like, yeah, like I hear you, right? Right. So you got the director telling me this. Then I go in to do ADR for... Um, a couple of like the lines that I had in the show or whatever. And they're like, Alima, like it's looking really good. We were, uh, when the pilot got greenlit to pilot, it was like one of five pilots to watch. And then when it was, after it was shot, it was like three pilots to watch. We didn't get picked up. Oh. Right? But inside the moment, right? like what he said, what he saw in terms of my performance, like, yeah, like it's, it's all good. So I had to learn these things the hard way. So with the resident, when my boy was like, yo, you, um, they have to give you the job. I said this to him. I said, they give me the job, great. I know I'm good. This might all just be practice for when I go to do true story. This might just make, make me a better actor for that. Right. And then what happened was, uh, you know, I, I have a private uh, basketball coaching business and I was leaving a client's house and I, my phone rings and it's, and it's the guy that runs my agency. He's like the, the head of the agency. And he's like, Hey, how you doing? I was like, Oh, I'm like a little tired, but I'm, I'm good. Like, how are you? And I previously just sent out like some like $25, like liquor cards to all my agents just to be like, right. Keep moving. Everything's all good. Right. <laughs> so he was like, I'm doing well, but not, a, not as good as you're about to be doing. And I was like, well, is that? He goes, you were pinned. You were. The choice, you got the gig. And I said, which one? And he goes, oh, that's right. You've been auditioning a lot. I'm like, yeah. He's like, the resident. So he, he, tells, he tells me the dates. And I'm like, that's awesome. I said, but do you know, I'm already working on Kevin's show. And he was like, huh? Uh... He, he was like, you know, um, like, what are the dates? And I said, well, the dates were the first through the 19th, but now they're like the 14th through the 22nd or whatever it was. And one of them was conflicting. So then my agent was kind of like, he goes, shit. 
He goes, uh, and one of the showrunners on Kevin's show is one of my close friends. So he was like, I know like your friend is on the show. Like, are you gonna, like, I said, dude, if we gotta go do the resident, cause, it, cause Kevin's show was paying me a certain amount of money. The resident was paying much more. So what was the better opportunity in your the, mind? The better opportunity in my mind was the resident. Right. Okay. Right. Because, bigger network, right? Well, it, it wasn't even that because like, I mean, you're going to get visibility on a Kevin Hart show for That's sure. True. That's right? true. Yeah. But yeah. I would have been playing a detective, which I've played many, many times. Right. Mm. Um, it would have been like two really like cool scenes as opposed to I'm in like an entire storyline in the entire episode over here. And listen, I'm a father and I got bills and stuff like that. The, the, the money between Kevin show and <laughs> the resident was significantly okay. different. Right? Oh, okay, okay. Right. And then, you know, sometimes it's like, so my agent was like, he's like, oh, is your friend going to get mad? And I was like, hey, he, ain't nobody get mad. Like, this is just business. Like I'm business, just yeah. trying to like, you know, do the politically correct thing because my friend he's he's a pretty big producer right okay. um so i was like listen like it's it's all good and so then i that's how i um they tried to work out that i could do both but because of one date conflicting i couldn't do both so that's that's how i wound up getting arrested but it was still a situation where i was like you know as an actor you kind of like wish for things right sometimes you have to see how they come around i was like oh like you always hear about people going from like this project to this project are working on two at once. I had the two at once. It just didn't work itself out. You know what I, I mean, mean? You, you were blessed with a position that a lot of actors are not blessed with to have two choices yep. where it comes down to either the Kevin Hart thing or the resident. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm glad you went with the resident. More money, you know, for you and your and your family. You know what I yeah. mean? And uh, I mean, and blessings to you on that. So you were in a position, a unique position that a lot of actors are not in you know yeah. especially right now you know yeah. with everything that's going on thankfully everything already is about to open back up and stuff like that hopefully get back to normalcy but you yeah. know that, that's awesome man that's awesome so you, you mentioned right now that you you uh you do private uh basketball coaching yes you used so, to play for syracuse right i did i i walked on in 93 um I don't know if the record still holds, but at the time I was the first walk-on to ever play in the first half of, of a game. Oh, wow. um, yeah, there was like a story that went with that, like very briefly. Basically, like, you know, like I walked on the team, that's a whole story in itself. But oh, I get on the team. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, when you're in practice and stuff, you get your ankles taped. Right. And so I'd go in every day, get my ankles taped, and go out there and you know, I'd play and stuff like that. And, you know, like the role of a walk-on is just to be like a practice player. But because I was good, you know, I was recruited for like D2 and D3 schools coming out of high school. I had like one like D1 offer that my coach didn't tell me about, but my best friend had died my senior year. So I didn't know if I wanted to play basketball or whatever. So I get to Syracuse. I tried out one year. Um, I had dreads. Didn't make the team. They told me, if we need somebody to practice, we will call you. Next year, cut my hair off like it is now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I make the team, right? Okay. Get my ankles taped, all the rest of that stuff. Cut to uh, the first game. And 
I go into the trainer's table, uh, trainer's room beforehand, and I'm like, you know, I put my foot up to get it taped, and they're like, walk on some fucking plate. Put your foot down. Like, this is exactly what the guy says, right? right. And I was like, <laughs> I kind of look around to like my teammates, and they're kind of cracking up or whatever. And I was like, oh shit, like, this is crazy. Cut to end of the first half, there's about like two and a half, three minutes left. And the coach is like, lay move. I mean, like, my shooting shirt flew off before it didn't hit the ground before I got in the game. And right. It went like over six that game or whatever. And then I came back in like, um, at halftime, put my foot back up on the table and was like, take my shit up. <laughs> um, so between playing, then I, you know, uh, I went overseas with the team and played in professional leagues over there um, my second year. And then when I came back, I finished academically uh, four and a half years, but I hit my coach and was like, yo, like, let me get a scholarship. And he was like, if anybody deserves it, you do. So then I was on scholarship. And that's the year that we wow. lost to Kentucky in the championship. So I got to go to the final four in the championship game and all that stuff. Man, I bet that experience was awesome right there. That's one of those things where it's like, I was 12 years old and I used to watch college basketball was my favorite sport. And I don't know what it was. I was always drawn to watching Syracuse. And okay. so when I would go on recruiting trips, coaches, I remember I went on a recruiting trip to Brandeis and uh, we're walking through the campus and the coach says to me, he goes, if you could play any place that you, that you would uh, want to play, where would you play? I was like, Syracuse. He goes, you'll never play there. And he listed down all these reasons. I walked into my senior year. I went to like an academic trip at Syracuse. I snuck off, went over to the basketball. Uh, it was Manly Fieldhouse at the time. Now it's a Carmelo Anthony uh, Fieldhouse. Okay. I walk in and I see this coach sitting there. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? My name is Lima Nelson. I basically averaged like almost a triple-double my senior year. And he looks at me and he goes, you're too skinny, you'll never play here. The day I made the team, it was my assistant coach, Wayne Morgan. I said, you remember me? And he was like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, I remember you. I remember you. <laughs> so that's – that's uh, a lot of my journey has been like that. And so for private coaching, you know, there was like years and years where I would like – I played in like little like semi-pro leagues out here uh, before like I ruptured my Achilles. And then like, you know, I had friends that were like, actors when I first started out that were like you know sort of bigger name actors like oh I'm doing like this basketball thing or I have this basketball audition could you help me out so I show people stuff right mm -hmm. and at some point <laughs> um my one of my exes uh she was like you know you should consider making this a business and she kind of really got the ball rolling through the idea in my head and um it was like oh okay so like I was driving for like Uber and Lyft and then I had like one client and then I used to be like up on a this thing called Coach Up, right? Okay. And I would get a lot of, if you go to like, well, I'm probably I'm not up there anymore because I haven't paid my fee and who knows how long, but uh, <laughs> like you get like all these reviews and the better your reviews are, then they put you out to more people. And at one point you would search me, you search for like private basketball coach, Southern California, and it'd be like me and Sumaki Walker. And I was like, oh, shit, that's crazy. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. And then, and then um, some of my clients would, like, go off the app, and they'd be like, you know, they might go away for a little bit, and then they come back and be like, hey, can I just, like, pay you, you know, myself? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I, like, negotiate a rate or whatever. And then now I'm at the point where, because acting work has been good, 
I have some things that I'm working on writing wise as well. Um, I've sort of streamlined down just like to like specific clients because at one point I would take on any client anywhere, you know, because I had to, you know, supplement right. income all the rest of it. But then it was like, are you really interested in basketball? Like everybody wants to be good, but nobody really understands like the work that it takes. And and the way kids watch basketball these days, they're infatuated with the NBA. Shout out to the NBA. They have made it fun to watch the regular season and they protect players. So it's really an offensive-minded game at this point. Right, right, right. Yeah, nobody's right. playing defense now. Right? It's no like it's, it's 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 not designed like that because people don't, don't want to watch what like I used to watch like in the 90s and when I have like friends that went to the league, like when my friends went to the league, it was a situation where it was like, you have to be able to play defense. Like you have to, right? And right. it wasn't really about like three-point shooting. You had to be tough. You had to hit the weight room. Like you could, you still have to do all this stuff because the right. skills are amazing, but it was just a different time. So as I, I began to like coach kids and, and notice like, oh, a lot of you don't know, like just basic stuff. Like kids will work on moves, but what they don't understand is like when you're working on a move or you're imitating a James Harden move or a Steph Curry move, mm-hmm. that happens inside of a system that's run for them. Right, They're right, seeing, exactly you know, spaces where they can get things off inside of a system, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they're just, them doing like in their backyard by themselves versus when you're put into a system, how do you flourish inside of that? And then there's just, you know, there's just very basic things that kids don't know how to do a crossover. They don't really know what a behind the back is for. They don't know what through the legs is. They don't understand how to push up on defense. Like they, they just, they think that they just don't understand. Right. And, you know, for, what I was good at in college, I was probably uh, one of the better. I was, known, I was known for my defense. Okay. I never really found like the rhythm of offense in college because I didn't have many opportunities to play. Mm-hmm. And some of the times I screwed myself on it. And there was a couple of times where I did really well. Um, but I absolutely know what it is. I've experienced it so I can teach it. I can also teach from the standpoint of I'm the guy that made it to the top of the mountain. Well, it, the top of the collegiate mountain, right? Correct. And even overseas with like the professional leagues I played in and stuff like that, but was never recruited. So there's also like a different energy to guys that have been catered to and expected all the time mm-hmm. versus the kid that's been told no, 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 no. Me no. personally, I like a, I like that story better of somebody, a walk-on, you know? Mm-hmm. Like somebody that, that didn't have a scholarship, wasn't recruited. You just got on the court, you showed what you can do, and you got picked up. Mm-hmm. You know, not a lot of people can really say that. Yeah. I think in a year, there might be maybe five to ten players that can possibly say, hey, I'm a walk-on. But a lot of players, especially in basketball, it, it's really, really tough to get on the roster. It is really tough. And for you to do that, man, congratulations with that. Thank like, you, man. That's awesome. You know, I mean, with your career, you played. So you just mentioned that, that you played ball, professional mm-hmm. ball in Europe, you know, overseas. Yeah. Right. And then you played college basketball and then you're an actor, man. What is that you don't do? <laughs> you're also you also box at Blue Moon Boxing Gym. Listen, I hey, I Blue love that shirt, by the way. I wanted to I, tell you. That. <laughs> yeah. Blue Moon has been such a. Uh, such a blessing because 
um, like I so I started sparring again, right? Like I have about like a thousand rounds sparring experience between like like some like some pros would show me a lot of amateur fighters because I used to be at wild card, right? Oh, I was yeah. a, I was a wild card for like, I mean, take away the pandemic, I, I've been a wild card since for like fifteen years, right? Eric Brown's been my trainer the entire time when he came up and gave us all of us a pound. That right. trainer, that, that's that's been he's like my brother. That's been my guy. So when I first got in to start training boxing, my whole thing was like, I think a man should know how to use his hands. A, and then B, what I take for granted in basketball that I can do is second nature. People oh. are like, oh man, I wish I could do that. That's how I feel about boxing, because right. it's constant stimulus. I'm like, I'm always, always, always learning. Even now, 15 years in, like I can get in, I can do four or five, uh, six rounds with somebody, right? right. Like, and, like I, I'll work with uh, Stephen Sharif, right? Mm-hmm. He won't go to town and be like trying to kill me or whatever, he's a professional boxer, but right. I'll move quick, he'll want me to throw. There's a certain energy that kind of comes with that, right? Right. That stimulus and being able to go those three minutes play off in everything else in my life. Because right. when you're in, <laughs> I always tell people, I'm like, you will see a man's hood, a man's manhood leave or stay inside those three minutes in that circle square because you can't hide. No, exactly. That's like, why I think boxing is such a beautiful sport. It teaches mm-hmm. you not one, it teaches you to be disciplined, yep. conditioning, and mm-hmm. you just can't be afraid because, like mm-hmm. you just said it right now, you hit on the spot. You cannot run, you're in that little square where you're either going to get your ass whooped or you're going to do damage. And and like the, and the either way you're going to gain respect because I personally, I give respect yeah. to anybody that steps in the ring, whether you're a professional amateur or just, you know, mm-hmm. to get some conditioning in. Right. Yeah, I for have sure. respect for anybody that, that steps in because that's a tough, dangerous sport. So whoever steps in earns my respect. You know, you, know, you like, can't run and hide in that in that square, in that ring. You no, cannot. not at all. Like, you know, and like the wild thing that boxing will teach you, well, at least it's taught me, is this. You can get in the ring, you can be really, really tired, you can be pissed off, but that's not going to work. Like, your emotions, you have to learn how to tamper your emotions and stay scientific and be methodical and execute a plan. Like, you go into execute a plan, and you have to respond and react. And the fighter that becomes really, really pissed off He's usually mm-hmm. the one that winds up losing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like being able to like temper everything and discipline yourself on the outside with everything else. It's like it's a it's a muscle memory. Mm-hmm. So that that is has played. I mean, just and what got so- you into boxing? Um, I thought that a man should know how to use his hands. I always wanted to learn. I was go. I was at like valleys with this other guy once, and he was like, "Yo, like you should go into like wild card." And so somehow we wound up getting Eric's number and it was me and this other kid. And for like three lessons, Eric would like give us mitts and then, you know, do the bag and do the double end bag and speed bag. And And shout out to Eric Brown too. Yes. Yes. And then after like the third, um, excuse me, the third uh, session, the other kid stopped coming. And I was, I was already addicted. And then I just, Kept going, kept going, kept going. I was like, oh, let me try sparring. 
And then I got my ass whooped and my ass kicked and sat in the other. And then, you know, slowly I started to learn. And then it got to the point where it was about like year like, what's like nine or 10? And Eric could tell you this. People would come in the gym and they like other, you know, like when people want work, they go ask the trainer. Right, right, exactly. So fighters, trainers would come up and they'd point me out in the gym and be like, oh, like, can we get some work with him? He'd be like, he's not a fighter, right? Like I, just I was stature though, you know, like people would see me work. Right. right. And then sometimes they would see me in the ring working with somebody. Right. Like if I'm working with like uh, this guy named Kingsley, who was a, a professional fighter, okay. people would watch me spar him. Shout out to my boy uh, Booker, who I he and I used to work all the time. And then there was like other trainers that had like amateur fighters and they'd get in, they'd, they'd work with me. Right. Okay. And then, you know, like there was some like some real battles that happened. So a lot of like the professional cats would come in and they talk to Eric like, oh, can we get work with him? He'd like, he's like, he's not a fighter. Eric would always say to me, right. uh, you have a career. Like, cause there was a, there was a point where I was like, oh, let me take an amateur fight. He was like, nope. And to this day I have. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. so funny. That's funny, man. Honestly, I've seen you work in there and, and you got skills. You do Thank got you. skills. Thank you know, you. when I first, when I was first going to Blue Moon, and I would see you, I was like, all right, I recognize him. I do recognize him. But when you're hitting that bag, man, you look like a Roy Jones Jr. in there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, you. honestly, you. you did your thing in there, man. You really did. Now, what 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 other projects do you got coming out, man? That you can uh that you can right now. I don't I don't have anything acting-wise coming out. I can't totally divulge the things that I'm writing at this point. Right. Um, cause there, I just, I can't dive all about this one, but, but there's, there's some writing stuff, um, that's coming up and then, you know, um, hopefully the, the resident brings me back and then, uh, you know, it's a little slow for me right now. So I just keep my, you know, my head to the grindstone and keep it moving. Hey, that's awesome, man. I really do appreciate you coming on. I Absolutely. Really, brother. Absolutely. I really do, man. I like to bring people on the show. So that way the fans can get to know the, you know, the the guests on the show a little bit more personal. So let's get the let's get a little bit personal right okay. now. All, All right. right. I got this segment called Let's Get Personal. So I'm asking right. you a couple questions. All right. And then we'll go ahead and cap it off after that. All right. Yep, 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 yep. yep. All right. Let me know when you're ready. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, right, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. All right. <laughs> Favorite food. Sushi. Favorite color? Black. Favorite athlete? Uh, Kobe Bryant. First car? Oof. Black Nissan Maxima, 1990. Dream car? Uh, I like the Porsche Boxster. Okay. Hmm. Favorite place to travel? Thus far, it has been Genoa, Italy. And what's your favorite place that you want to travel in the future? What's your dream travel place? I want to go to the Maldives. The, where? Maldives. Where is that at? Wait, hold on. It's it's like it's like it's like an entire like tropical situation. Really? You, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. okay. Like I, I'm, have to I'm, I'm up on game on that one. Yeah, I'm have to. Uh, uh, I'm looking for like nice vacation spots. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
all-time favorite movie. Oh, you're killing me right now. All-time favorite All-time movie? favorite movie. Jeez. You can only pick one. <laughs> this ain't fair, man. This ain't fair. <laughs> This ain't fair. This ain't fair. I had to throw that one in there, bro. I had uh, to. All-time favorite. If you told me all-time favorite TV show, I could give you that. No, all-time favorite movie. All right. All making favorite. it difficult for you right now. Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> I got so many movies running around in my head. Oh, like a, we stumbled Mr. Nelson just, here. We yes, stumbled. Have, there's so many. Listen, I could say like Tootsie. I could say American Dream. I could say American Beauty. I could say Color Purple. I know that one, honestly, to me as well, is a tough one. That's why it is a tough one. I've asked my previous guests on that too, and it is a tough one because there's so many movies out there. You know, different type of movies, horror movies, yeah. sci-fi movies, you know, uh, comedies, like... It's just, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Oh, man. I'm like, if you knew the amount of films I've watched, I'm like, to pick one, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm be thinking about that for the rest of the day. I'm like, favorite movie, all-time movie? I mean, like. Watch, you're going to end up. It's like, like, like Trader right, Places. My like favorite movie. Movie. <laughs> man, yeah, you might get a text like, yo, I, if you ask me, like, my top 10, I'd be stumbling. But my all-time favorite my joint? All-time favorite. No, I, I, I'll tell you my all-time favorite. Ace Ventura, right. Pet Detective. I don't know why, but that one to me is just, it just stands out. It just stands I mean, out to me. Or, actually, I take that back. That is one of my all-time favorites, but Bad Boy. Bad Boys, man. Yeah? Yeah, I love Bad Boys. See, I, I love those movies, bro. The Bad Boys, man, is just, to me, those are, those are my favorite. Yeah, like we 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 got a little bit of an age discrepancy because I'm thinking like there's just there's so many. There is a lot. There is a there's, lot. There's, there's a ton. I I can't like there's like a whole Eddie Murphy range of movies. Hey, the like, next one's even a even a tougher one too. So right. <laughs> brace yourself. Your all favorite right. music genre. Music genre. And your all-time favorite music artist? I mean, music genre. You know what? It's got to be 90s hip-hop. Boom. Okay. All right. See, I was born in 88, and I, I agree with you. Okay. To this day, I still listen to 90s R&B and 90s hip-hop. Okay. Okay. You know? And so, all-time favorite artist? In any genre. I know, I know, I know, I know. Cause there's, oh my God, there's so many. I know there's so many. <laughs> all right, if I go all time favorite, if I can always, shit, man. This, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's too many, there's too there's many. Too many. Well, you gotta pick one. You gotta pick one and you gotta stick with it, all right? So you're telling me like, this is basically that question. Like if you went to an island, you can only have one artist to one, listen to. Just one, that's it. This is a, it's tough, huh? <laughs> One artist. Hey, and they sound like simple questions, right? They're like simple, like, wait, all right, yeah. 
But no, once you get asked these questions, you're kind of like, wait, hold on. It gets you to think. All right. So because he's got collabs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to. Oh, fuck. I'm going to say. I'm going to Lee Munalson right now. Oh, my goodness. Because there's so many, there's so many collabos. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. There's no disrespect to the rest of these cats out here. No, hey, there's no right or wrong answer on this. I know, I know, I know, but I, I feel. Listen about music. I feel very personal, very, very personal. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm gonna say Jay Z. That's a, hey, that's a great one. Yeah, but like, I could have said the Roots. Like, if we're just sticking to hip-hop, right? But if we go any genre, I could go, like, Erica Badu. I could go Miles Davis. I could go Led Arnold. Zeppelin. I could, like, we ain't even gotten into, like, my rock situation. Like, this. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, we're going to have to do another show just specifically for favorite movies and favorite, Yo, <laughs> favorite music. If you, you do that show, I'll have, I'll have a list ready for you. I'll break all the shit down. I promise. Oh, we'll do that. Oh, we'll do that for sure, then. I promise. Absolutely. You guys already here first. We'll do that for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. Last one right here. What's right. your favorite work? Any work that you've done, what's your favorite project? That you oh, my favorite project? project? Yeah, your favorite project. Why Things Never Said. And things why? Never Said is right here on my, oh, that's, that's wrong. Arm. My son's on my arm right there. Okay, okay. shout out to <laughs> and, your son. Right, and that, uh, if you see that. That's okay, I can see it, yeah. Yeah. And why is that? Why, why, why is that your favorite project? All right. So Things Never Said is this movie that was written and directed by Charles Murray, who's one of my closest and dearest friends, right? Okay. Um, he was all, he's also who was uh, one of the showrunners on True Story, on Kevin Hart's show. He had this film, this script, and he's trying to get off the ground for like nine, 10 years. And as it was evolving, like we did like a, Table read like years and years ago with like a whole different cast. Gave it away, got it back. Mm -hmm. Tried to get it done a thousand different ways. And then finally he was like, you know what? We're just gonna do this thing ourselves. Shot it for basically no money at all. It was at that point in my career, I had done other films. I had been long, done uh, Love Don't Cost a Thing. And I had been like supporting leads and other films and stuff like that. This. Yeah film was where I learned how to be a lead and I was op opposite Shanola Hampton from Shameless and Omari Hardwick who was obviously on, on Power right and you also have Tamala Jones and Dorian Missick and like Michael Beach like there was, there was a ton of people in this film. Oh, that, that's a great cast right there. Like we won every sort of indie award that you could think of um it's actually it plays like on HBO uh all of the HBO channels right now. It's on like stars. I was I yeah, I was just going to say that right now. I think yes. I saw that on stars. Yeah. Like there's like a ton of stuff that I'm they'll in randomly. Right they'll randomly like play it. Yeah. Like it, yeah, it, yeah. it plays uh, like a bunch. And that film for me, um, I learned how to be a lead. There was just so much that I learned. There's so much preparation that I did for it. And even though I did a ton of preparation, how I wound up executing it was a different way because of the genius of, of, of Charles. Um, so I, I, you know, like 
actors want to do things. They want to, they want to do certain things. I, you know, I wanted to lead movies and do all the rest of the stuff, but I really didn't fucking know how. <laughs> Once I got on that set and underneath Charles, and un I, I understood my instrument more and how to execute and, and you know, really lean into being a, a right. leading man. Yeah. So, and then it was just like seeing it come to life. And I wasn't a producer on it, but I was kind of like a producer at heart. And I, I saw from script to screen and everything that goes with it. Also that people don't see, I call it an education in how to make a film. And, you know, what happened, what really happens with film festivals and trying to get it uh, in movie theaters and then contracts. Like, like there's all this stuff that I saw, like it, it was the most priceless education I could ever have. And That's it awesome. also kind of put, put me onto a, it was like, oh, like, like I know these actors. It took you to another level. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Honestly, I really do appreciate your time. Absolutely, brother. You know, on the on on off the hook with AJ. We gotta yeah. get you back on here, man. We gotta get yeah. you back. Yeah. And, Honestly, and it, anytime. You let me know. You let me we're know. gonna do that segment. We're gonna do that. Okay. That whole show is just gonna be all about favorite all-time movies and all-time music. I'm, you know? I'm, I'm with it. You let me know. Hey, let's do it. I really do. Like I said, I really do appreciate your time coming on. Yep. We are going to do a part two interview, which is going to be that. You okay. know what okay. we're going to talk about. And yeah. uh, there you guys have it. Go check out his projects. Go check out The Resident. Go check out Tommy. Go check out Love Don't Cost a Thing. On the next one, we're actually going to get into that to talk about Love Don't Cost a Thing. You okay. know? And okay. um, also, you guys want to check out a horror movie? Go check out Dar uh, The Gate of Darkness. Against the darkness, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. everyone, go out there and check that out. Elimu Nelson, man, I appreciate you. And where can they uh, follow you at? Uh, I'm at Elimu Eleven, E L I M U, the number eleven on Instagram. Um, what am I on Twitter? I I hardly ever check my. I actually, Twitter. don't even have a Twitter account, man. I deleted it. Yeah, Instagram is the easiest way. That, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. All right, there you guys have it. I'll keep you guys updated too and on on his on all of his uh, projects that yeah. are coming up, and then uh, part two is going to come up too. So uh, let's right. get it, man. Hey, thank you, Lima Nelson. You have a great day, man. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you again for for being on off the hook with AJ. You got it, brother. All right. All right.